and I, this is what people are trying to do. It's like you put something up on your social media wall and you think all of a sudden that's your ointment and bandage and you put it on your arm, right? Yeah. Because that's where you think the wound is. But the wound is in your gut. It's not on your shoulder. And you've got to go in there and look and investigate where the internal bleeding is happening. It's not a flesh wound that you can just put a post on, right? A little piece of a Band-Aid on. This takes time. It takes time and commitment. Hey, I'm Lucas Scrobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Scrobot Show, where we uncover purpose, take responsibility, and own the future. We are in hour two of a two-hour segment with Brandon Hulk, where we are discussing the Ahmad Arbery killings that happened back in February 23rd, 2020. Now, it wasn't until there was a, a viral video that were released that was released of the killing that the police finally made a re, an arrest because of a massive outcry. Now, that video had been circulating the police and the community leading up to this point, but it wasn't until there was massive national pressure that an arrest was made. Why? Well, go and listen to the first hour of the segment to find out the facts, the details, and some of the, the things that have complicated this case, at least on, on a legal purview, of whether um, whether the the father trap the the son Travis and Greg McMichaels will actually be convicted of this of this crime, um, but today in the second hour we continue with the conversation with Brandon Polk and stay tuned at the end of the conversation where I uh, digest some of the things that Brandon and I spoke about in this two hour segment and we have a Weaver and Loon segment to end the show today. Racial prejudice against African-American, though that is extremely er, prevalent in America, but it is it is prejudice against other tribes, other sects, other, um, other races that are different than us that are not just present, present in America, but it's actually a global issue that that we face and that we're we're seeing happen everywhere, not just in America. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point and it's definitely worth discussion, sort of where things land. And and I don't love um, you know, that we even have to have that discussion, of course, you know, in the context of our global history, you know. Um and uh you know to go to LeBron's statement, you know, um, I completely agree with you on its face. It's, of course, it's not accurate in a sense, right? But what's it's going on but yeah. in the mind of a yeah, but 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 what is interesting, and this is what is is really important to unpack. So I always am encouraging people to have these conversations, you know, because what's going on, generally speaking, in the mind of a of a black person, of a black man in particular, is that we don't know if we're not being hunted every day. Because you don't know if you're going to be taking a jog in the street, something seemingly normal, and have someone barricade you in the street. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. And so what he's what he's attempting to communicate is something that's very nuanced in the context of the black experience. Yes, other minorities, other global experiences, one one hundred percent that there are different things that have happened, right? And I don't think that 
they need to be compared in their attrition, right? Um, you know, whether it's, you know, um, uh, you know, the Protestants and the Catholics, you know, or if it's, um, you know, things going on in other tribal regions of Africa or whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm. Like those, those things are happening um, and they should be treated as individual crises, you know, of, 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 of human, um, of, of dehumanization that must be addressed yeah. in the most critical of ways, right? Here's what's so fascinating about this African American experience. Yeah. Is the 400 year history of it. And I don't think that there is anything like that timeline specific to a particular group of people who look a certain way that has been threaded through. Not, it's not just that it just, it's, it was 400 years ago and then we did a couple hundred years and then we stopped and then we had a break and then it flares up again and then we have a break. No, no, no. This is a consistent thread for 400 years, manifestations of you are dark, you are, you are brown, but even if you are Latino, right? Like it's still a different history, right? There's, there's a yeah. whole other issue there, right? It's not to take away from it. It's not to detract from it, but it is to take this and, 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 and say, there's something that is going on. The psychosis, you know, the psychotic nature of the, the emotional breakdown after 400 years of what James Baldwin would actually call, um, you know, a, a, a cry from the white community. Hey, when will you trust us? <laughs> and then he says, James Baldwin, you just want me to take it, take you at your word to trust you. When what I'm looking at is the behavior. I don't know if you hate me or not, given what you say, but I do know the conditions of my schools. I don't know if you hate me, but I do know the condition of my communities. I don't know if you hate me, but I know the condition. I know the, the quality of the relationship between my, my community and law enforcement. I don't know if you hate me, but all the stories of people getting gunned down in the street mm. are my, you see what I'm saying? So it's like, so, so there's, there's this, this thing, and, and here's the thing. It's time, right? Time. They say should heal all wounds, right? You know, in this case, Time is exacerbated one. And that doesn't mean that progress hasn't taken place. Thank God for progress. Happy about it, right? Yeah. That doesn't remove the reality that there shouldn't, like we shouldn't need progress to be made in the first place. That is true. And we've talked about this. We've talked about this before on, on how, you know, when people are like, well, can't we just go back to how it was? Can't we reconcile? Well, we can't reconcile because there was never a a concilement in the first place, which is, which is an issue. If there's not, if there's not a, a, a something that we can come back to, well, then, then how can we, how can we even mend something? Right. You know, the reconciliation, I, I think when we talked about this a long time ago, Lucas, you know, I, I think I'm in a different place on it now, you know, that I, I actually am not as opposed to the word reconciliation anymore. I think it's just what we have, but I think that we just have to give that context, you know, that for, 
many people, you know, there's an assumption that we should go back, you know, to a, to a certain space or that, or that there was a time literally out of innocent ignorance, belief that, you know, we should just go back to better times, you know, not asking the question of the people, you know, who are impacted, you know, and those better times for you. I mean, like, you know, Dor- Doris Day or, you know, uh, uh, or whomever, you know, singing in the rain and all these kinds of things, you know, just gives this, this picture of a happier and a better America. Well, during that time, that was not a, that was not a happy time for black people in America. Yeah. You know, not for all black people in America that, you know, and, 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 and a lot of that was because of the inequities that it existed, that, that, that existed during that time in the fifties and the sixties and others, you know? Um, and, uh, and then, I mean, civil rights is, is one thing, you know, the death of Martin Luther King, the death of Malcolm, um, and Medgar Evers, you know, to name a few, um, is just the watershed. That's just one of the turning points where people were like, we have to kill these people before anything will change. Mm. Right. Like these voices actually have to stop speaking. And then the community has to be mourning. Right. Um, before white people get on board. So we have to wait for an Ahmad to die before the community starts crying out before white people start caring. Right. And, that leads- and now we have the information highways, you know, we can get on any, anytime we want and be advocates and activists, you know, for anything we would like to. Right. Well, that leads to your, your article that I wanted to ask you about. You, you, you write in, in your article on your, on your website, on your blog, um, quote unquote, putting his photo. And I agree with this, putting your photo, putting his photo on your channel is not evidence that you don't have issues of your own. And it certainly doesn't prove that you've done enough to drive necessary societal change. And then, and then you go on to talk about how, how racism it's, it's, it's a worm that convinced itself in the mind of his host that it doesn't exist. And I'm, I'm sure for, for Travis and Gregory, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm guessing they would say, well, I'm not racist. And, 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 and you go on, you go on to write, and I think this is interesting friends. It is most friends. The most common example of racism is not embodied in these two murderers. Instead, let us reason together that perhaps the clear and convincing evidence of its existence in is in the consistent strident declaration of its presence by people who have zero connection to those whom it has impacted the most. Can you unpack that for me? Yeah, certainly. I mean, and I, I, I wrote this, you know, it came, it flowed, you know, this particular narrative flowed out of me really easily. And the reason why is because I'm totally fine with people getting on social media and hashtagging run with a mod. And, you know, this is really sad. And everyone, I mean, literally for a, a week, you know, every person had posted myself included, you know, a face of this young man, you know, and, um, I'm all for raising awareness. Great. It's wonderful. But then the guys get picked up, right? Travis and his dad, whatever their names are, right? Um, they get picked up 
they go to jail, they're charged with murder and aggravated assault. And it dawns on me, I guess that's it. I guess this will be out of the news soon. No one's going to be as vocal about this now. And everyone will feel better because they ran with Ahmad. They did what he did. They exercised their freedoms and their freedom to post about his name. And then all the while, never actually take time to investigate within themselves where they may actually be impacted by the disease, the long lasting contagion of racism. And I'd like to pull out in a sense, like if you just, if you don't want to be called a racist here, let me reframe it for you. You know, if that's, if, if, if that is what keeps you, um, you know, from thinking that you might actually have a part to play in this, let me actually define racism a different way is that there's a historical long lasting diabolical, symbiotic relationship that white people have had with this for years, hundreds of years. And it doesn't mean that you're the devil, but it should because not all of you are going out taking shotguns and shooting black people, right? You're not doing the most egregious thing. It is most sinister. And I, and I, and I write it like this. I said that racism is most, most sinister in the subtleties. Yep. It's, it's in the silence. And oftentimes it's in the things that you cover your shame with. And right now I fear that the covering, the great covering, you know, of, of, of our own. And I mean, our own, our collective global citizenry on this racism on anyism, is when we have a tragedy and then we're like, this was horrible. Right. What a horrible thing. And then you go on not really being impacted or converted or transformed by the tragedy at all. So what, so what do we do? And, that I mean, is a and, shame. and that's what you I know? see too. You know, I see people um, all across the globe posting saying, well, this is just, this is just so horrible. It's unthinkable and it is unthinkable and it is so horrible and it is, you know, vile. It's evil any any race it is just horrible watching that scene um but then it's added on on the the 400 years of history and hundreds of years of of african americans trying to break these racial stereotypes uh and prejudices and racism blatant racism lynching against them so that adds another degree but it to me it seems like okay well it's just another post person posting another hashtag um but each, you know, myself included, thinking, you know, when I was, I was thinking, well, should I even reach out to Brandon? It seems, it seems very hypocritical in a sense to reach out and even be sitting and having this conversation about this because it's like, what, like, what is it going to change? Does it make me feel better that you know, well, I did my, I did an episode on this tragedy, um, and so what, what is. I mean, and you've said it before on the show and, and you said it here, it's to sit and have a conversation, but be, beyond sitting and talking like with you, I'm having a conversation with you. Does that all of a sudden absolve me from at least the accusation that I, I have um, latent racism? Because um, I sit and I talk with all of my friends here in the Middle East and it is very much stereotypical of, oh, people from this nation are like this. 
you know, if you're from Egypt, you're like this. If you're from India, you're like this. Bengalis, you know, fill in the blank down the line into what tribe you're from. And so my thought is like, okay, well, we, we post about whatever. We post about Kashmir. We post about, about the Uyghur people. We post about um, you fill in the blank. It, it, it seems like it is just filling our stomach with emptiness that makes us feel like we're good people when really we haven't been transformed in the least bit. Yeah, you're raising a really good point. And, and here, here's the thing, um, Lucas, we've been friends for over a decade. Yes. You know, we don't have this conversation just once. And then move on. We have this conversation perpetually, yes. right? We have a we, we have a relationship. We have a strong friendship, you know, that's transcended, you know, <laughs> continents, <laughs> you <laughs> know, for many many years, you know, Absolutely. which I very much appreciate, you know. And uh, yes, one hundred percent, you should reach out to me if you're going to reach out to anyone of color. You should reach out to me, you know, because we have a relationship where I want you to do that. You feel free to do that. And it's not false. This, 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 this dynamic is not Brandon helping you come into an understanding of how horrible you are, (laughs) you know, as you know, like, or trying to get you to have some understanding of of your racist self. It's about Lucas asking questions about things and and even sharing your own experience about how you're impacted, but also allowing the person of color to not only share his or her own own experience, but together we get to mourn it mm. and we get to gain clarity about it and you can't heal it, right? We can't just apply. And this is what people are trying to do. It's like you put something up on your social media wall and you think all of a sudden that's your ointment and bandage and you put it on your arm, right? Yeah. Because that's where you think the wound is, but the wound is in your gut. It's not on your shoulder. And you've got to go in there and look and investigate where the internal bleeding is happening. It's not a flesh wound that you can just put a post on, right? A little piece of a Band-Aid on. This takes time. It takes time and commitment and relationship and intentionality. And if we're not going to be that, here's what I find really interesting about this. That, and I said this in, in my article, I said, I'm really grateful for Ahmad. I said his sacrifice is actually trying to cry out from like his blood's crying out, trying to teach white people. Absolutely. And what's crazy, this is what's crazy about it, is that white people don't even know (laughs) that this whole thing is not for black people. You're not posting for me. You're not posting for Ahmad. You're posting for you. Because you're the ones that are grieving. Because you are the ones that have the sickness. Yeah. And I'm like, great, he's dead. We can't get him back. Mourning him, right? We should do that. But you should mourn for yourselves too. Because that's a sad, pitiful thing to be in denial for Mm. hundreds of years about a sickness that you have. And we continually keep putting Band-Aids on flesh wounds instead of going to the source of the problem. Wow. I mean, I... It's maddening. I I agree. I think it is it is the fact that whether whether you're, you know, a white American or whether you're from the subcontinent um it's a matter of us not mourning 
for Ahmad, but mourning for ourselves, mourning for our the own depravity of of ourselves. I, I, you know, as I was processing this, I was thinking, you know, both both you and I are, you know, two or three really bad decisions from being like anyone, right? You know, what what is that? What is what is to say that I am so different or that you, Brandon, are so different? It takes a, a matter of seconds for us to go from from being a good standing citizen to a murderer. Um, you know, we're, we're all right there on the brink. And I think it is it is a mourning of our own depravity and 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 stepping into humility, re, like resisting pride and saying, you know, there's a human depravity across the globe that each and every one of us is a part of, regardless of our race. It's the fact that we are fallen and broken individuals as as the human race. And there is, you know, a little bit of Cain in everyone, right? There's a little bit of Cain in everyone who, you know, Cain killed his brother out of jealousy. Cain killed his brother because you know, Cain's offering wasn't accepted and Abel's offering was accepted. And there's a little bit of that in each and every one of us that we need to, you know, come before our creator and mourn that in ourselves that we might be that we might be delivered. And I don't think it's it's a one time thing. I think it's a matter of walking humbly before our creator and realizing that we are broken individuals who are desperately in need of a redeemer. We're desperately in, in need of, of, of rescuing because we are, we are so broken and we are, are, are so wounded as, as individuals and as a society. Yeah, I think that is, that is entirely right, Lucas. And um, that, that, that's all I really want everyone to do is to take stock of their human condition. Each one of us is going through something. Each one of us is carrying something generationally and we're all being impacted by something generationally. And I always find it, you know, if you go on 23andMe or Ancestry.com, you know, I mean, these are real businesses, you know, where people, where, 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 people are really thirsty to know who they are and where they come from. Um, what's unfortunate, of course, is that you can't selectively exclude things that you don't love about what you find out about your history. Um, we're challenged to accept what we can't control. We have to be challenged to accept the ways in which we've been impacted by generations of predecisions um, by people in our, in our lineage that impact us today. And we have to be challenged today to make decisions that we know on principle are going to impact the generation of tomorrow. And one decision to post or one conversation or, and I don't mean just about race, maybe about anything, is not going to be enough not only to not drive social change, it won't be enough to drive the quality of your own lineage mm. and your own legacy in the world. It won't. 
um, without the intentionality, without the clarity of where you want to drive things on principle, without the growth, you know, of being able to do that and, and taking responsibility for that, then things tend to repeat in a generation, right? Sometimes they come back worse. And that's the thing that I'm, that I mostly fear is that we've gotten to a place where we're comfortable and now we keep thinking, now we've erased a lot of the laws off of the books, you know, that are, you know, clearly racist or whatever. Now it's just the stuff that's in the shadows that we can reason away, you know, <laughs> disproportionality in any system, X, Y, Z system, foster care, criminal justice, whatever it is, we can explain it away now. Mm. We can't say it's not necessarily racist. They're all criminals, right? No, it's not racist. You know, it's because, you know, the black families are in despair because of their own decisions, right? Brown families are crazy because of their own decisions. You know, that's not racist. It's not my fault, right? I have nothing to do with that, right? So we can explain it away and not take responsibility for anything, you know? And the same thing in, in, a, in a global context, any conflict around the world, you can apply this whole thing that everyone now has a responsibility to make more nuanced and complex decisions that help to promote a better future for the generation that's coming after us. We have a responsibility to it. And you can deny that responsibility if you want, but the reality is that you're not going to like where it ends up for yourself. And I know you won't if you don't take responsibility for it. And I know this because of how you use social media, because of what you complain about, because of victim mentality and the widespreadness of and, and the widespreadness of that within yourself. Oh, woe is me. The world is horrible. Why are all these other people getting and I'm not getting anything? Right. What I find is really interesting about the the, the psychology of, of the white experience in in America is, is that white people, generally speaking, have not been encouraged to consider the impact of the, of the decisions of their ancestors on their existence today. And why would you? Because it worked out pretty good for you. So you don't have to think about it. Except on principle, when you see yourself as a global citizen, not just as a white American. Mm. You see yourself as part of the whole, right? And not that I am here and everyone else is other than me, or everyone's looking at me and now I'm being accused because I'm the white man, right? People say this to me all the time. Well, the white man is the most attacked. And I'm like, oh, are you? <laughs> you know, he goes, well, now we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. You know, we can't say this, we can't say this. And I'm like, yeah, that's a really interesting place for you to be in. So it's hard. I get that. Great you don't get a cookie from me from doing what you're supposed to do. So it's, it's been easy and now it's hard. Well, good for you. You get to grow up now. Mm. You know, you get to do what the rest of us have been trying to do, you know, with, with, you know, and, and that is navigating, you know, through these difficulties of the human experience. Um, and I would say that to any man, you know, black, white, green, yellow, or blue. So it's hard. Life is hard and sorrow <laughs> is the access point to creativity, love, and joy and volunteer, volunteer in the sharing in sorrow with people who are familiar with sorrow 
And you will find that your life is more enriched, that you are more happy, that you are more purposeful, that you have noble pursuits, and that 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 will transform not just your own lineage, but the but possibly if we all do it together, the lineage of the world. Mm. It's powerful, Brandon. So that's powerful. I I think you're right. So so often, um, even all in all of our our posting and hashtagging, it is it is to hide from hide from actual feeling of pain is saying like, well, I, I, you know, I checked my box. I did my thing. Um, rather than, than sitting in the dirt with the poor, rather than, than sitting with people who have gone through trauma and actually letting that pain and that sorrow enter the recesses of our hearts and our souls to actually touch our own pain and sorrow and to acknowledge the fact that, that, that exists. Um, and it's through driving, driving ourselves by taking responsibility and driving us towards principles that uh that we're going to better not I don't want to use the word better but that we're going to mature into um the purpose and the meaning that we're meant to live out um rather than than sitting and just trying to uh coddle our our emotions in our heart. Um Brandon, I know that we're we're out of time for today and I thank you so much for your your transparency, your vulnerability, um, for your willingness to to have have this conversation with me, and of course for your friendship. I just love that we do have uh, over ten years of friendship now, and um, I'm excited for decades and decades more to come. So thank you so much for for being here today. Thank you for having me. That is all for the conversation today with Brandon Polk. Please. Find his information in the show notes, including his podcast, Behind the Scene. But we're going to go on and finish this episode off digesting and uh, reflecting on some of the things that we talked about in the past two hours of this episode. And this is going to be part of a, a new format of the Lucas Scrobot Show. As you know, this used to be called Own the Future, but uh, because of multiple reasons, we have changed the name to the Lucas Scrobot show where we'll have an interview with a guest. And at the end of that, we will take some time to digest and process some of the things that we talked about and how we can take responsibility for our personal lives, how we can apply it to our personal lives. And then we are instituting the Weaver and Loom segments actually into the show at the end of every segment, just like uh, it always was intended to be. And so I'm uh, really excited for this new format. I hope that you are too. Um, I hope that it provides uh, an extra layer of um, help and value for you as a listener. So please tell your friends. That would mean so much. But as we process this, there were a couple things um, right there towards the end that really struck my heart in in a in a fresh and significant way, and I think brought another level of of understanding um, when it comes to issues uh, like these. And one was it was let how Brandon was saying of you know it's from the place of sorrow that comes creativity, that comes invention, that comes um, really so much of of livelihood of life is being in touch with sorrow. And so many of us. Um, 
when we surround ourselves with entertainment to pacify us or that we have everything handed to us and we're not actually in touch with suffering and in touch with sorrow, we can easily slip into depression because we're not in touch with with something that's core, a core emotion of our humanity. Instead, we try to cover it up. We try, try to hide it. We avoid those feelings of sorrow. And and more than that, we, we avoid our own feelings, and we definitely avoid other people's feelings of sorrow. Um, and so that was really what stuck out to me was, was his charge to us at the end of sit with other people in their pain. Don't just, don't just post about it. Don't just mourn for their family, but really sit down with someone else and, and understand their, their experience understand where they're coming from. And I don't want to use the word empathize or use empathy because it's such a overused word, but really feel the pain and sit with the pain of that other person and share in that, you know, know, mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. And oftentimes we have a hard time rejoicing with people who rejoice because of envy or jealousy or brotherly rivalry. But if we can rejoice with those who rejoice, likewise, we need to learn to mourn with those who mourn. And that takes sitting with people who are are not like us and and putting ourselves in awkward and uncomfortable situations. Um, and not just doing it as an exercise, but really allowing that to, to penetrate our hearts, um, to allow ourselves to experience those feelings of of mourning and sorrow and and the brokenness of of ourselves and the brokenness of humanity and the pain that other people have endured and in sitting with people in that that's a, a transformative thing i i can think of different seasons of my life where uh i have done that where i've actually allowed myself to be tender allowed myself to to let pain pain that wasn't necessarily my own, but allow that pain enter my heart to, to realize that that life isn't always what it seems to be. And, and I have a responsibility to other people to love them, to care for them, to, to help where I am able to. And, and that's what we talk about on this show, taking responsibility um, for the malevolence, for the darkness of the world, that we might actually own the future, that we actually might have a positive difference. Um, some other things that, that I've thought about, um, in this was how, and I mentioned this on the show and I wanted to unpack it a little bit, how we're all on the brink of, of complete darkness and and wickedness and evil, each and every one of us. And we see it in, in little ways through, um, you know, whether it's a white lie, uh, a covering of a truth, um, or, or I, I see it often in my life where I have brotherly rivalry, where I'm, I see jealousy or I have jealousy or envy over my friends who are succeeding. And I mean, dear friends, friends that I love, and I can, I can catch myself um, becoming envious of people. And where there's envy um, and jealousy, with it comes every vile and wicked thing. And so, I, you know, each and every one of us are are a couple of bad decisions, a couple of of moments where we we lose it, we, where we lose our temper, we yell, um, 
we're, we're all on the brink of that. And I think when, when we realize that each and every one of us could, could be on the brink of, of wickedness and darkness, that, that should frighten us. That should really frighten us knowing that we, we could fall into that darkness and it should cause us to um, put the fear of God into us because that darkness would consume and destroy and totally ruin our lives. You know, I, I think of um, Travis and Greg who perpetrated this, this act of um, vileness, of hatred and of, you know, blocking a man as he's running down the street and, and killing him. Um, you know, I think of the, the, the days that are, for, are sure to come to them over the next months and probably years, um, in prison. And, and I wonder if they will experience and feel that, that sense of darkness and if they will be haunted by, by the, this experience, if they will be haunted by the, the decisions that they made on that day on February 23rd, um, of course, it is nothing in comparison with the fact that Ahmad is no longer alive. We can't bring him back. But realizing that you and I could be the, per- the perpetrator of, of pain and sorrow in other people's lives should really put the fear of God in us because the amount of regret that we would live with, um, it, to me at least, I, I, I couldn't live with myself. Well, knowing that whether I'm driving the car and I'm texting while driving and I get in an accident and take someone's life. You know, we're all on the, on the brink of that, um, all on the brink of selfish behavior. And that really should put us in touch when, as, we, as we mourn this and we think about this incident. It should put us in, t- in touch with our own humanity, our own brokenness, and our own need for uh, something greater than ourselves, our own need to, for redemption, really. So, so the takeaway from that is, you know, so, so many conversations that I have here in the Khalij, it, it revolves around tribalism. It revolves around racism. It revolves around don't trust someone from Mosul. Don't tr- trust someone from Egypt. And Indians are like this and Filipinos are like that. And, oh, Bengalis are like this. And, um, you know, Pakistanis are like that. You know, it's, it, it's all wrapped up in this in this language that is stereotyping in gross manners, uh, many people around us. And I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you could probably say, well, I don't talk like that. I'm not like that. And, and it's probably true. I know I would say for myself, well, I'm not like that. But I think the point that Brandon is making, and I think it's the right point, is that we can't just say, well, you know, I'm washing my hands free of this. That's not who I am. That's easily, you know, well said, fair enough. But are we actually taking steps to identify and to build a relationship with people who are not like us? Not just finding someone and having them become a project or making ourselves feel good. But as I said earlier, with really sitting with their pain, sitting with um, their struggles, understanding their family, where where they've come from, the things that they've they're struggling through, you know, why are, why are they here? What is their dream? What are they hoping to accomplish by working in this region and leaving their, their families behind, whether it's in Nepal or Bangladesh or India or the Philippines. Um, and it's building those, those genuine relationships, um, 
can begin to open us up to their pain, to their suffering, and to a genuine relationship that will surprise us, I think, in years and years to come. So that's my charge to you this week is break down that tribalism, that racism, those stereotypes that exist within yourself and begin to mourn with those who mourn, begin to build relationships with people who do not look like you, who do not talk like you, who do not think like you, who who process the world in very different ways. And maybe you have uh, you know, stereotypes against because of things that happened in the past, but we need to step past those things. And finally, to end the show, we have a Weaver and Loom segment. light of of everything that we've been talking about today the the quote that came to my head was one from from jesus where he said it's a quite famous quote judge not that you be not judged for with the judgment that you pronounce you will be judged with the measure that you use it will be measured to you why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take out of the speck of your eye when there is a log in your eye? You hypocrite. First take out of the log, take first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I I I love this quote. Mostly because, especially in this circumstance, because right now the things that I'm hearing is you know across social media at large, is this pointing of the finger of saying, oh, America is wicked, they're horrible, look at the hypocrisy of America. Or they're pointing the finger at, you know, Kashmir, and they're talking about the the travesties that are happening there. Or they're pointing the finger at China, talking about, you know, the Uyghur people and the gulags that they're in. And these are all all well and good that we do this. We need to stand up and have our voice heard. But at the same time, I feel like there's a level of hypocrisy that I carry, that each and every one of us carry when we're pointing the finger at Georgia and saying, oh, Georgia is such a backward state. I can't believe those people are so racist in America. And then try to take this high ground saying that we're not part of a system, that we don't have phones that were made by people in sweatshops, realizing that that we too, by the way that we live, that we are living with extreme privilege in the earth. The fact that you are able to listen to this right now would dictate that you are probably within the top 1% across the globe. If you're making more than 32,000 US dollars, you are a one percenter across the globe. And when we cast judgment, against other people, other races, other incidents, other incidences, and and make blatant broad strokes um, about people's character, saying what people are like and saying, wow, if that was me, I would never fill in the blank. If I was there, I would have done fill in the blank. Whether we're looking back across history and say, well, I would have never participated in that. Or looking into the present saying, well, I would have never done that. It's, you know, the classic, you know, when you point the finger, you have three fingers pointing back at you. 
And that is the, the thing that I want to that I want to say today. And I think that Brandon was saying today too, was that when we cast judgment, we have to realize that we are going to be judged by that same standard. And that is why we need to live underneath the fear of God, realizing that we are his creation and that we're dealing with other people who are his creation as well. And that we need to walk in humility and walk justly and rightly. Otherwise, um, we're going to fall into hypocrisy where we become thinking that we can see, thinking that we know, thinking that we have have arrived at, to some level of uh, of enlightenment, and yet casting judgment on people that we we see are are less than or backwards or whatever. You don't know their experience. I don't know their experience. I don't know their their values, their heritage, their upbringing, the things that might have happened to lead up to that incident where um, something was said or something was done or, or a way that someone lives. And so that's my encouragement and my charge to you today and the wisdom piece that I leave to you today. Don't judge because the manner that you judge other people, the, manage, the manner that you cast judgment saying that I would never and they are evil and less than, that is the moment that we are going to be held accountable in that same measure. So heavy episode today. But uh, I hope that you are enjoying this new format of the Lucas Scrobot Show. And please reach out to me at lucasscrobot.com if you have a question. Or you can WhatsApp me at plus one two oh two nine two two zero two two zero. Leave me a question there. Message me there. I will respond. And finally, thank you so much for being with me and for making this show possible. If you weren't listening, this show would not be possible. So I'm so grateful that we get to spend this time together. Please share with a friend, check out my new book, Anchored the Discipline to Stop Drifting, um, especially in the season of coronavirus, where so many people are stuck at home or have lost, lost focus, lost purpose, kind of floating This is a great book to help ground you in real simple, actionable lessons. It's a short read, 100 pages long, that is highly actionable to help you anchor your life and take steps forward, to take action forward, to actually achieve your goals and your dreams and not just be busy with work that amounts to nothing. That is all for today's episode. I'm Lucas Scrobot. This is The Lucas Scrobot Show. And if you take responsibility, you will own the future.